Yo, 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 welcome back everybody to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I hope everybody, each and every one of you guys that's listening had a really good Christmas. I enjoyed my Christmas. Um, we're moving on to the new year. The new year is coming around a couple more days. Um, yeah, we're going into 2023. Obviously, we got a lot to tackle. We have a lot to tackle. Um, these games and so forth, playoff contention, playoff spots, coaching firings. We're going to discuss some some offseason moves and so forth that will probably be made. Um, so we got a lot to get into today. Um, I know last week, I, last week I gave you guys three episodes. Um, I know a lot of you guys were really uh, excited about each and every episode. I got a lot of good feedback. Um from like I said, from each and every episode. Um, so yeah, we we I, I'm I'm back. I'm ready. I'm in full effect. I hope you guys. This is winding down the year. Um, I don't know. I may try to do something on Saturday's episode in terms of like re, you know bringing some some memories back from throughout the year and so forth. Um, maybe I try. Maybe I try to do something like that on Saturday's episode, but. Um, here we are. Uh, you guys know I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Um, shouts out to everybody listening. You guys know how we give it up. You guys know how we do. Thursday episode, Thursday upload for you guys. Um, I, I feel like I just rearranged some of my podcasting schedule. And I'm sorry about that, but I just, I'm always on the move. I, I, I do a lot of people's podcasts. I go on a lot of people's platform. Like I said, you guys can also catch me on those platforms as well if you follow me on my, on, on my socials and so forth. But, uh, yeah, so let's get into it. And we had we had our first, I think this is our first, right? No, this is not our first. But we had our most latest coaching firing on Nathaniel Hackett of the Denver Broncos. Um, the Denver Broncos, they fired Nathaniel Hackett right after their 50, they're really disappointing 51 to 14 loss to the LA Rams, who were also four and ten coming into that football game. And the Rams just put the absolute beat down on the Broncos um and spoil you their Christmas Day. Um Nathaniel Hackett, like I said, got fired. Um I honestly this wasn't obviously I don't think this came as a surprise to anyone. Um, we all saw and recognized pretty relatively early on that Nathaniel Hackett was a bit over his head, um, wasn't ready and prepared for the job. Uh, honestly, I thought, and you guys know, I thought this this firing, I thought this came a bit later than expected. I thought they, I thought he was, pro- I thought he, I thought he was really lucky and fortunate that he made it to. December to to Christmas. Uh, I thought he would have been gone probably in like late November, like after Thanksgiving Day. I thought that's where he could have they the Broncos could have fired him, but um, that's just neither here nor there. Uh, and I say this, and we we knew Nathaniel Hackett. I I, I pointed it out pretty early with you guys. Um, I had high expectations for this Bronco team, just like everybody else. Um. Just like everybody else, I don't feel bad or, you know, but 
everybody had high expectations for this Broncos team, and it it it, it never it never materialized into that fashion or it into that way. And I'm gonna talk about Nathaniel Hackett's firing. I'm gonna talk about possible candidates, and I'm gonna talk about Russell Wilson. Uh, or I should say, I'm gonna talk about Russell Wilson, and then I'm gonna talk about possible candidates. Um, and where this Broncos team go forward? But Hackett, he was he's the typical over his head. You know, I think he best suits as a coordinator. Maybe not even a coordinator because you look at his track record, his resume. When he was the coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, his offenses were ranked 19th and 26th in the two years that he was the Bills coordinator. So I'm not even sure if he's a coordinator. And then he got glorified over, you know, his time in Green Bay when he was uh, – Aaron Rodgers quarterback coach and his dad, like I told you guys this earlier, but his dad um, was in coaching within the NFL. His dad is well known around NFL circles. So Nathaniel Hackett, you know, it's kind of like, it's one of those like good old boy. Like he, he was a lot of people grew up, saw him grow. You know, he's been around the game. His family's been around the game. So, by and large, he gets a coaching opportunity, and he failed. <laughs> he failed. Uh, week one, it was very apparent that he was over his head. He did. He mis mismanaged time and timeouts, and just wasn't really good situationally. And I'm not saying you got to be a one day. You got to be a one day one situationally as a head coach, but you could tell. You could see the signs early on with Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, even week one, it was put to it was put to the test where time management was just off, um, play calling just wasn't just really indecisive, not not precise, scheme wise. Um, the Broncos scheme offensively just wasn't just wasn't fun to watch. They wasn't they wasn't they were not fun to watch. He eventually he got someone to take over and hot and um call plays. He also hired someone to manage the time. So it gets to the point, like, if I'm ownership, it's like, okay, you're not calling plays. You don't work with the defense. You hire someone to manage the time for you. What the hell are you doing? You know, it, it comes to that It comes to that point where you got to ask yourself, like, what the hell are you doing as the head coach? You don't call plays. Your scheme is, uh defensively your defense is fine but you don't work with the defense <laughs> and you can't manage time and you're bad you're really really bad situationally yeah it like this is this was definitely a deserving one and done i'm not a huge fan of teams firing coaches in their first year but i am also in that same sentence i am also a huge proponent of realizing you made a huge vital mistake and then pivoting and getting off of that mistake. And that's what the Broncos did. They made a huge pivotal mistake in hiring Nathaniel Hackett. But now you got to pivot. And I get the Russell Wilson. I start, I get, I, and I guess we can go with Russell Wilson because that's all I have to say. You guys know um, how I felt about Nathaniel Hackett early on in the season. I kind of admitted, like back in October, I admitted, I was like, yeah, this, this is bad. The Broncos are not good offensively. 
They struggled. They had, they, I think they averaged the fewest amount of points this year. Offensively, it was just a shit show to watch. And as much as I, like I said, Nathaniel Hackett was not prepared for the job offensively. Um, his scheme, just watching some film, watching some Russell Wilson tape, his film, uh, or his scheme, I should say, just wasn't lovely. It just wasn't, it, it, it wasn't player friendly at all. But I'll say this about Russell Wilson. Um, and I always say coaching matters. Coaching matters in this league. But Russell Wilson, no matter how talented you are in this league, coaching matters. And for Russell Wilson's performance this year, I think part of it was Nathaniel Hackett's scheme and concept. Boom. I think another part of it is, hey, the Broncos' offensive line was makeshift, and Russ just was never comfortable. But I think another half of it is just Russell Wilson was just bad. It was bad, and I watch. I I go back and look at tape, um, his tape, and I when I look at quarterbacks' tape, I I try to identify okay what's going on with certain concepts of the offense, running scheme, fit, so forth, and. I've already established that point. But then I look at, is the quarterback making easy throws? Is he giving, is he taking what the defense gives him? Um, And, and Russell Wilson, like all throughout the year, he, he just struggled to make the easy plays. He struggled to make the easy throws, the layup throws, the easy plays. He left a lot of meat on the bone this year. And a lot of plays were still left out on the field that were not made by Russell Wilson. And I think some of that, you could say, hey, Russ isn't the same Russ athletically, you know, with him being 34, going into 35, he's just not the same guy. And that's, and granted, that's fine. That's okay. That happens. But Russell Wilson used to be the best deep ball thrower, passer in the game. And he just struggled with the deep ball. He struggled with the deep ball. He struggled with damn near everything. Like, like he struggled doing. Uh, he struggled with almost every integral part of the quarterback position this year. That's why. That's one. That's that's why he was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league this year because he struggled with damn near everything. <laughs> and I think the regression of Russell Wilson is kind of just like unexplainable. Because granted, okay. He may Nathaniel Hackett may not have the best scheme. And granted, you may deal with injuries on the offensive line. Every quarterback does at some point in their career. But the subtle regression where you could have made an argument coming into the year, Russell Wilson was maybe not a top three quarterback, but maybe a top five, top eight, certainly a top ten quarterback. And he was not even remotely close to that. Like, I think we honestly, I've never seen a player where they they were literally, uh, there was a four or five year span where Russell Wilson was was a legitimate all pro and MVP caliber candidate player. And then the following year after those four to five year stretch, the following year, he just goes, it, it just, he just dips the, the, the stats, the numbers, the performance, it dips. I haven't seen such a regression ever in my life unless unless it was containing or per, or pertaining to drug use, alcohol or su- some type of substance abuse or injury. 
I've not seen her. I've not. I haven't seen a regression this bad. I haven't seen a regression this bad. And Russ went from, you know, hey, let Russ cook to he's burning the whole goddamn kitchen down. And it's bad. It, it looked bad this year. So you got to ask yourself if you're, the, if you're the Broncos in terms of looking for the next head coach. Is this the Russell Wilson we have? Because if this is the Russell Wilson that we're going to get, you have to then find a way to masquerade and hide his deficiencies. You're going to have to find a way to mask his deficiencies because it's no moving off this contract. Like, they signed him to this huge deal. There's no moving off of this contract. So you got to find a way to mask his deficiencies and build the best team possible. And honestly, the Broncos, they don't need Russell Wilson to be MVP caliber Russell Wilson that the Seahawks got in 2019, 2020. They don't need that. <laughs> like, they don't need that. They don't need Russell Wilson to throw for 4,800 yards and 38 touchdowns. They don't need that. They just need competent quarterback play. And Russell Wilson couldn't even give them that this year. So you got to ask yourself, is Russell, because the owner came out and said, hey, Russell Wilson, his play, his performance, it's fixable. We don't know if it's actually fixable. We don't, like, we don't know. Maybe this is just the Russell Wilson that we're going to get. And he's still a first ballot Hall of Famer, still a great quarterback. But I think we realized this year, it was a telltale sign. We realized two things. First, Russell Wilson is not in that same upper tier, upper echelon tier as the Tom Brayton's, the Peyton, Man the Peyton Manning's, the John Elway's. He's just not in that class, which is fine. Still a first ballot Hall of Famer, still, a, still had a great career, still has had a great career, but he's not in that tier with the upper echelon. And then also we realized Russell Wilson is a little bit more scheme dependent than we thought. And granted, a lot of what he did and a lot of his fantastic play in Seattle was a bit like it, it leaned on the edge of like unscripted and improv and him just extending plays and using certain abilities that he's been blessed with. Um, It was a lot of that. But I think it shows this year showed that he's he's a little bit more scheme dependent than what we thought. And this goes into my. My my other portion is, hey, so who do the Broncos look at as a possible head coaching candidate? And I know a lot of people are like, well, look at Sean Payton. And I'm like, Sean Payton's a great candidate. Sean Payton is the best coaching candidate that's going to be on the market this year. But I don't think Sean Payton is going to – I don't think Sean Payton left the New Orleans Saints knowing that they would be bad, knowing that they were in salary cap trouble. I don't think he left that franchise to then go sit out for a year and then take a job where the quarterback situation and the quarterback play is a it's a bit it's a bit in the sky. It's there's a lot of uncertainty around Russell Wilson and what he will look like. Now, could Sean Payton, you know, use this as a plan and could he help save and rectify this this Russell Wilson issue? He possibly could. He possibly could. I wouldn't put it past Sean Payton. But I ideally, I don't think this is his preferred job destination in terms of looking at what Denver has. They got Russell Wilson, who quarterback play performance, uncertainty, but he's on the books. You got to stick with him. 
I just look at, hey, Denver, they kind of, this this front office is a bit shaky because the GM wasn't hired by the new ownership. So the GM may be on a short leash. And then the owner already came out and said, hey, the, 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 the next head coach has to report sh- straight to me, not the GM. So there's already kind of some 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 power imbalance. Um, there's a power struggle already there. I don't know if this is the preferred job for Sean Payton, but I do think the Broncos, they cannot afford to rolling the dice on another new or young head coach. I think that's too big of a risk here. That's too big of a risk to roll the dice on another first year or really young coach, um, given the circumstances in the situation with uh, the Broncos. I think that's too big of a risk. I think they have to look in the direction of a veteran experienced season coach. Like I said, I mentioned Sean Payton. Me, me, my personal opinion, I don't think Sean Payton would take this job. And looking at the possible openings around the league, and maybe we can talk about this later, but I don't know if Sean Payton is finding any of these options attractive, really. But we get to we, we, I talk about that later. But a guy that comes to mind for me is Frank Wright. I think Frank Wright, I think he I don't think he's a bad coach. He got fired by Indianapolis. I don't think he's a bad coach. He's an offensive-minded guy. It started off really well in Indianapolis, but eventually him not being able him and Chris Ballard not being able to find the right guy at the quarterback position ultimately affected his like the ceiling of his team. And he ended up getting fired. So I think Frank Wright is better than what uh, we saw over these last couple of years. I think I think he's a good coach. I think he's definitely on them. I think he's definitely a candidate. I think a guy like Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, he's obviously turned around and and he's had he's 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 done a miracles. He's done miracles with the Cowboys defense over the last two years. He has this defense finishing within the top ten of a lot of important defensive categories. So Dan Quinn, and I think the Broncos were interested in Dan Quinn uh, last offseason when they were looking for a coach and before they hired Nathaniel Hackett, they were interested in Dan Quinn prior to that. So I think Dan Quinn, um, I think that would be also another good candidate. And also it's rumored that Dan Quinn, if he would, if he was to get the job, he would bring offensive court. He would bring Brian Schottenheimer to be his offensive coordinator, and we all know Brian Schottenheimer was the Seahawks' offensive coordinator for Russell Wilson. So there's a connection there. So um, I think those, for me, those would probably be the two top likely options. I think a guy like Dan Quinn, where they already have a good foundation defensively, he's just taking up and picking up the reins. And then he's bringing a guy that Russell Wilson is familiar with, which 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 could possibly help Russ. It could bring back some of that confidence back to life. And then, like I said, with um, Frank Wright, I think he's a good offensive-minded guy. And um, I think he's better than what last this, these, these last couple of years, how Indianapolis ended. I think he's a little bit better than, that in the, than a coach. In a coach. So I think Denver... That would be my that would be my two top choices. Um, I would like I said I would not go with a young coach. 
I wouldn't go back to it. I would not go back and roll the dice and risk betting on a new uh, or first year head coach. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think I think it's too much at risk, too much at state. And I'll tell you this, this will lead into another conversation that we're having. But time and time again, I'm starting to really understand and I'm telling myself when these teams, because you think about Seattle and Russell Wilson. Seattle, um, Russell Wilson wanted out, and Seattle was, dare I say, fairly comfortable and surprisingly content with letting him walk. They were content and comfortable enough to let him walk and trade him. And when teams are that comfortable and that content with trading a player of that caliber, that may be that may tell you all you need to know. That may tell you all you need to know. Because when when we we gotta start taking these cues, we gotta start listening to these teams when it comes to these quarterbacks and just other players and so forth, because it seemed it like Seattle was okay. They were more than okay. They were fine with moving Russ. And I think back about it, I'm like, maybe they knew something that we didn't. And that tells you all you need to know. That tells you all you need to know. We got some more breaking news within the AFC West. Um, The AFC West, it's crazy to see how the conversations we were having last year leading up to this football season and the conversations that we're now having and the outlook that we have on the AFC West. It's pretty phenomenal, but we do have some breaking news. I will get that to you guys um, concerning the Raiders and Derek Carr. So as you already may have known, um, but the breaking news is that the Raiders have elected to bench Derek Carr for the remainder of the season, and they're going to start Jarrett Stidham. Um and they, the Raiders, they had a heartbreaking, kind of a bad loss to the Steelers at on the road at Pittsburgh. They kind of let that game get away from them. Uh, a very winnable game. Granted, they their playoff chances were slim. They were slim at best. They weren't a playoff team this year. But I thought it would have been good if they could have won the final two, three games of their of their season, of their disappointing season um, under first-year coach uh, or under their first year with Josh McDaniels. Now, this comes by no surprise to me because I think about a month and a half ago, around like late October, early November, I think I came on here and I told you guys, I was like, I I gave you guys a take. I was like, I don't think the Raiders, I don't think Derek Carr is going to be the Raiders quarterback next year. And it came after some Devontae Adams comments. It came after a, a a pretty bad loss. I forgot who they had played, who they played, um, and lost to. But it came after a really bad loss. And I I just made it clear. I was like, looking at the financial situation. Granted, they just gave him an extension, but looking at what the Raiders have to do to get better, um, and just looking at their like, I think he's gonna. I think this is last season. As a, as the Raiders quarterback, and I, I, the biggest reason was, hey, if you move off of Derek Carr this season, uh, they if the Raiders are able to trade him, 
they're going to clear up $29 million near, so $30 million in cap space if they get if they move off of him and trade him this offseason. Whereas on the flip side, if they keep him, his cap hit is going to be $34 million. $34 million for a Derek Carr cap hit to a team in the Raiders. They can't really afford a $34 million cap hit from Derek Carr, who is, I think, I think throughout the longevity, throughout his nine seasons, I think he's not a great quarterback, but I think he's a really good quarterback. I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I think um he's he's a guy that's had MVP votes. He's a guy that has curry that has like really uplifted and carried bad teams continuously on a yearly basis. Um, This is a very tradable contract. As I told you guys, this is a very tradable contract. I said, hey, the Raiders, as an organization, they have sucked. In terms of, like, making personnel decisions, they've sucked. They've sucked since Derek Carr has gotten there. They've sucked. But I pointed it out. Look, You look at the Raiders' last six first-round draft picks, Five of them are not on the team. And then the last one that's on the team is Josh Jacobs. And who knows what, what happens with him? He's he's having a really productive year and he's leading the league in rushing. So they may they may extend him and re-sign him. But five out of their last six first round picks are not even on the roster. And out of those five out of six, they really reach like uh, Farrell from the DN, the defensive tackle from I mean, the the defensive end from Clemson. They they reached on Farrell. Um, they reached on Alex Leatherwood. Uh, Henry Ruggs is behind bars because he killed someone while drinking driving. Like it, it it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. It, it, they have had a bad stint and a bad run in terms of how they run their front office and their drafting. And then you look at a lot of their a lot of their talent is on one side of the football offensively. They don't have a lot of defensive talent that's spread out. They don't have a balanced roster. Their roster is very much heavily dependent on their offense and their offensive success. Granted, they got a couple guys on defense that can play like Max Crosby, uh, Chandler Jones, who's not even having the best season. But they got a couple of pass rushers that can play. But the overall makeup and the premium talent is a lot of it is on the offensive side. Derek Carr, um, obviously Devontae Adams, as I mentioned, Josh Jacobs, who's leading the league in rushing this year. Um, Darren Waller, when he's healthy, but he's barely played. Hunter Renfro, when he's healthy and he's barely played and hasn't even hasn't been effective. So you look at the Raiders, we're looking at a team that. They could really use $30 million in their cap. They could really use $30 million of cap space to equal out and balance out their roster. And they can use draft picks. Now, what they do with those picks, who in the hell knows? They haven't drafted well at all. But I think it's, as I said about a month and a half ago, I thought it was time for both sides, both parties to move on because I believe the Raiders and like I said, Josh McDaniel, this isn't like he didn't draft Derek Carr. He didn't bring Derek Carr with him. 
he he inherited Derek Carr. So there's no there's no invest there's like no invested interest. This front office, this GM, they didn't draft Derek Carr. They didn't bring Derek Carr with them when they got the job. There's no invested interest. Um, there's like there's nothing sacred. They they just inherited Derek Carr. And granted, he he had a really good season last year where he uplifted the Raiders and got them to the playoffs. But in route, they probably believe, and then after the conclusion of the year, this year, they probably believe they can do a little bit better at the quarterback spot. And like I said, and Derek Carr, he's a good quarterback, so that'd be hard on the Raiders. But it, I think there's more benefit to letting him walk. You get $30 million in your cap space. You get draft picks. Try to be rebuild this roster and try to balance out the talent structure because right now, oh, like the Vegas Raiders, <clears throat> they're just not in a good spot in terms of financials and where their talent lay. A lot of their talent's on offense. Um, we knew this was a chance. We knew, like, and I told you guys, I laid out all of the reasons. There was about three, four reasons that I gave you guys. I was like, this is the reason. These are the reasons why I think the Raiders move on from Derek Carr. And from Derek Carr's perspective, I think he can do better. I think there is some teams that have really young, inexpensive, cheap rosters that can afford Derek Carr. And... They are they are like um they're borderline playoff teams and if they were to add a quarterback like Derek Carr, they would be a playoff team. Like I think there's a couple teams out there. I think like the Jets. I think the Commanders. I think teams like that where they already have seven or eight wins or so, and they got a really they got some really nice pieces on defense, really nice pieces on offense on both sides of the ball, but they don't have really expensive players. That's those are the teams that I think of that could that could possibly acquire a guy like Derek Carr, and he makes them better. Um, Derek Carr in his nine seasons, he's had six head coaches, so that's the that that is the definition of not stable instability. So he hasn't had no type of no type of stability in Vegas or Oakland and Vegas, I should say. Um. He hasn't had a coach that really has wrapped his like wrapped their arms around him. Like Jack Del Rio really wasn't a big fan of Derek Carr. John Gruden made it apparent that he was not a big fan of Derek Carr. And Josh McDaniels, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily a huge fan of Derek Carr. Like I said, I think Josh McDaniels probably feels like he can do better at the quarterback spot. Um, I, I, I I'm really interested to. Uh, I'm really interested to see how this thing works out. And here's the thing with the Raiders. Here's kind of like the downside. Derek Carr has a no trade clause. So he has to agree to the trade. Whatever trade they have worked out um, or whatever destination or team they have worked out, he has to agree to that particular team. So this could, this could, this could impact his value a bit, knowing he has um he has control essentially he has control of where he goes but it's it's pretty obvious that the raiders with this move they're putting their 
And I told you guys this on my quarterback breakdown um, that I did last week. I was like, the Raiders are probably going to be in the quarterback market. They're going to be buyers. It would not surprise me if it was, it would actually surprise me if they didn't target a guy like Tom Brady. I'm not going to say if, if it's going to, it's not going to surprise me. It would surprise me if they did not target Tom Brady. Now that they're opening the door of Derek Carr, and like I said, this extension and talks leading up to this season and throughout the season as it progressed, that 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 chatter only got louder. And as I told you guys, I didn't think Derek Carr would be a Raider. I didn't think he'd be a Raider come 2023. I didn't think he'd be a Raider. I don't think I didn't think that. And I've always been talking about Tom, and obviously we know the connection where Tom. Uh, and Josh McDaniels, uh, Josh McDaniels, Tom's offensive coordinator in New England for all those years. So we obviously see the connection. Um, the Raiders do, like I said, their talent is very lopsided on their roster. So they do have some nice offensive pieces and talent to work with. So I think the Raiders are definitely, definitely on Tom Brady's radar. Um, and I, like I said, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if they did not target Tom Brady. I would not be surprised. But many could argue. Many can't many many could argue that Derek Carr has looked really good for, you know throughout these last few years with carrying some bad rosters and like last year getting them to the playoffs where Josh McDaniels as a head coach really hasn't proved anything. Like, this is now his second job. Obviously, we knew what happened in Denver, but this is now Josh McDaniel's second job. And I guess Josh McDaniel's like, hey, it, it, this, is, this is do or die for him. Like, this is make or break. If he can't figure out this time around, if he can't get it going this time around, this might be his last coaching opportunity, his last head coaching opportunity, I should say. So I don't know. I, I think I think this is really interesting. This is a story that we're obviously going to be paying attention to um, throughout the year. I mean, throughout the off season, as the off season progress, as we as we move forward to the off season, this will definitely be a story worth cover, covering. I think, like I said, there are some options. I think the Commanders. I think the Jets. Those are probably my two top options because I look at both rosters. Their balance. I mean. Their talent is spread out appropriately. I feel like they got I feel like both rosters got some really good talent. Um, the Jets probably are more defensive leaning, but they got some receivers that I like. Um, the Commanders, they got some nice receivers, but obviously we know about that defensive front and that defensive that, you know, some of those defensive guys that they have. So I think those are probably the two top options uh, or landing spots that could possibly work out for Derek Carr. And I think, their car wouldn't mind those options either. I think you can look at those rosters and they're either playoff rosters this year or they're borderline playoff rosters. Um, and literally those two teams desperately need a quarterback or they need better quarterback play. Um, the Jets and the commanders. And we had another quarterback switch. I think this is a good transition where the commanders. Um they made a quarterback change. Ron Rivera, he announced that Carson Wentz will be starting versus the Browns 
in hopes that the commanders can, you know, finish off this playoff chase and getting to the playoffs. And it's pretty interesting that all of this is it's so funny. I think my timing is impeccable because um, just last week, just last week, I, I recorded an episode and I broke down every team's quarterback situation that needed to be broke down. Um, like, like I said, there's some obvious teams that don't need quarterbacks like Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, you know, <laughs> like they're, they're they have quarterbacks. They're fine. Philly, like Dallas, they're fine. You know, they're 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 good. But the quarterback situations that needed to be broken down, I broke down. And it's just interesting this week. There has been a lot of quarterback movement and, you know, certain guys are getting starting jobs back. Certain guys are losing jobs. And I'll say this about the Carson Wentz um, and whole Taylor Heineke ideal thing in Washington. I told you guys, like I told you guys last week, I think Taylor Heineke is a he's a well-respected player within that commander's locker room. You can just tell when he comes into the game. When you, you see how the players defense defensively, offensively, like doesn't matter if it's offense, defense, you can just see how the players interact with Taylor Heineke. They definitely like him and he's well respected in that locker room. He's also like a, you know, got like a little competitor, like a fierce competitor to him, you know, got like a little edge to himself. But ultimately, he I, I told you guys this a long time ago. And I and I reiterated it last week, but he is not a, a, he's not a guy that I want as my franchise quarterback. I don't think I'm building around Taylor Heineke over the next five to seven years in building my friend. No, I'm not doing that. I think at times he can come with a little bit of spark. He can be a spark plug. He can he can pull off some magic. Right. He can pull off some good plays. But I ultimately, when I really break down and look at his film, I see a guy that leaves a lot out there. He leaves a lot of plays to be made. He leaves a lot of meat on the bone. That's just what it is. And, you know, I, I sometimes look at the results of these commanders games, and I'm like, they either win close games or they lose close games. And I'm like, first, in the wins, it's like, okay, he made a magical play, but – I. It didn't it didn't have to come down to that. If he just makes the easy passes, if he makes the easy reads, if he makes the if he can complete the e the, the layup throws, this game doesn't have to be that close. You don't have to win in a three-point game um in the last seconds. And then I look at some of the close losses that they've had, like the Giants loss a couple weeks ago, where Heineke, if he just makes a few that was a very winnable game for the Commanders. I actually thought they should have won because they they have they simply have more talent. But like I said, Heineke he leaves a lot to be desired. And if if just a few plays, a few more plays and throws were made, they win that football game. Like they like they win that football game. When I have when we're having a whole different conversation, we're not even mentioning Carson Wentz stepping in as the potential as the starter because they win that football game. The roles are reversed and their whole playoff, you know, their whole playoff format and the out the, the outlook of it just looks differently. So I, <laughs> it's funny. I, 
a lot of this stuff people people say I be reaching, and some sometimes I, sometimes people say I be reaching, and I'm like, I, sometimes and I, I check myself at times, but I'm like a lot of the time I'm not. I, I see it. I I know what I'm watching with my two eyes, and when I watch Taylor Heineke, like I said, he makes some magic happen. But there's plays where he leaves a lot to be desired, and I'm sure if I'm pointing it out, and you know, I'm sure the coaching staff is able to point it out and and realize like, hey, th- there's a lot left being on the field, and we're just not cashing in, converting, and 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 making the best out of these opportunities. So I'm not saying the the change to go back to Carson Wentz was the right one. But I can understand it because Wentz, I think he is more talented. I think Wentz does open up the passing game a little bit more. I think there is throws that Carson Wentz can make where he struggles to make in terms of the decision making, but he can make those throws. He can make some of these some of these tougher throws. Um, Wentz didn't look bad coming in in the 49er game. That game was I thought was over, but he didn't look bad. He didn't look bad per se, but I look at Carson Wentz, unlike Taylor Heineke, I don't really know if they have, if he has the same cachet and respect amongst the players in that locker room. I don't know. And it's it, some of it comes back from his former experiences in Philadelphia, Indianapolis, where some of his teammates is like, yeah, Carson's kind of aloof and, you know, he's he's not necessarily the best leader. So those type of questions, you know, do, do guys want to play? Cause like I said, guys want to play for Taylor Heineke. Now, now granted I can nitpick and, and point out um, his weaknesses and his flaws and explain to you why I wouldn't want him as my long-term quarterback. But in terms of like the, the, the players respect and like he earned it, he earned it. And, and those guys, they play for him. I don't know if these guys play for Carson Wentz. Like, I don't know if they're getting down dirty like they do for Heineke. I don't know if they're doing the same for Carson Wentz. I just don't know. Um, So I think that's interesting to see how that plays out because the commanders, they're in prime position to make the playoffs. Um, But they can't, they can't really slip up here in these last two weeks. So, Really interested to see. Um, I'm going to talk about Sean Payton in some possible destinations or if there's any real destination that's available for him. Okay, so as promised, one more thing before I let you guys for um, I get up out of here. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to look at possible destinations for Sean Payton. In the last couple weeks, uh, Sean Payton's name, as you know, we're getting closer and closer to the postseason and team, we're going to hear some teams that, you know, on average, there's about six, there's about five to seven new coaching openings in the NFL on a yearly basis. Um, This year, it's going to be really interesting to see what certain teams do in terms of their coaching, um, you know, their coaching position. And Sean Payton, like I said, uh, at the top of the uh, episode, <clears throat> He's one of the, if not, he's probably the sexiest and attractive name to a lot of these teams that's going to have openings. Um, but these jobs that could potentially be open, I'm not sure. And we can just go through the league. And we talked about the Denver Broncos. Like I said, my personal opinion, I don't think that's a destination. 
that Sean Payton prefers because it's so much uncertainty riding on the play of Russell Wilson. Like, is this Russell Wilson for real? And the Broncos and whoever they hire has to find a way to mask his issues? Or was this just like a one bad year, one really, really bad year, and Russell Wilson kind of picks it up? We don't know. We don't know. So I think with the un the uncertainty, I don't know if Sean Payton takes that job. I don't think that is a desirable job as I don't think it's as desirable as many Bronco fans may think it is. Right? You you right. So I'm not sure in my personal opinion, I don't think that would be the job that he prefer. I'm looking at um we can go through each division. The Buffalo they, the Bills won't fire their coach. Mike McDaniels, he's good in Miami. Belichick, all intents and purposes, I think he's going to be fine in New England and then Salah. So no, I don't think no AFC East team is firing their coach. You look at the AFC North, uh Cincinnati they have Zach Taylor, Harbaugh, they have I mean Baltimore has Harbaugh. Uh Pittsburgh they have Tomlin, he's not going nowhere. Safansky, I don't think he's going nowhere in Cleveland. AFC South, okay, you got Doug Peterson with the Jaguars. He's not going nowhere. Vrabel with Tennessee, he's not going nowhere. nowhere. Jeff Saturday um, in the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I heard Ursay, you know, owner Jim Ursay say, hey, he's done a good job. Yeah, he's going to say that. He's not going to publicly out the dude that has no coaching experience that he, you know, banked on. Like, no, he's not going to out him out. I don't – once again, with so much uncertainty at the quarterback spot, this is definitely a rebuilding. I don't think Sean Payton wants to go back to a – I don't think he – if that was the case, he would have stayed in New Orleans. Um, I don't think this is a destination that he would want to go to. I think the you know, young quarterback, they would, they would probably have to draft. They would have to do some overload, overhauling on that offense. So I don't I don't think um they would do that. Plus they got they got a lot of money tied into their offensive line. Uh Houston, like I said, I don't think he had similar situation in Indianapolis. I don't think he would do that. I don't think he'd take over a complete overhaul. AFC West. Okay. You got Kansas City, obviously Andy Reid. I don't think he's going anywhere. He may retire, but I don't think Andy Reid's retiring. Uh the Chargers, they're at nine and six. They clinch a playoff spot. Now, this one, I think ideally, I don't I think it's unlikely that this job becomes available. So I'm throwing it out there. I think it is really unlikely with Staley getting the Chargers to the playoffs. They should finish the year at um they should finish the year with 11 wins, I think. They should finish the year with 11 wins. Maybe there there could be an argument that if Staley doesn't win a playoff game, Tom Kalesko and the Chargers ownership they may fire Staley. That could be that. That's on the table. I just don't know if that happens like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe 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 there's a shocking line of events where. Telesco and the ownership is like, okay, we got to do something and we got to like, we got to pivot towards the offense and the offense should be better. And Staley's a defensive guy and his defense over the past two years haven't really looked good up until now. The Chargers one, I don't know if the, I don't know how likely the job becomes available, but I think if this job would to become available, if it was available, I think this is the perfect spot for Sean Payton. 
young, emerging superstar quarterback in Justin Herbert. They got talent on both sides of the ball. They literally just need an offensive-minded coach, in my opinion, that will get them over the hump. They need a guy that's won before. They need a guy that's seasoned. I think Sean Payton to the Chargers is the most ideal fit. I think it's the most ideal fit. Now, how likely the job becomes, I mean, you know, how likely if, if the job is available, I don't know how likely. I think it's unlikely, but that's one to keep your eye on because I think that's ideally what Sean Payton, that's the type of situation that Sean Payton is looking for. Young young quarterback, cheap, inexpensive, talented roster, talent, you know, they got, they got, I feel like the Chargers, they got a balance, of, a good balance and a good dose of talent on both sides. So that's one. The Raiders, they won't move. They won't, they won't fire Josh McDaniels after one year. And we already talked about Denver. All right. NFC East. Sirianni's good. Here's another one. Similar to the Chargers, Mike McCarthy in Dallas. I don't know. Because obviously Dallas, this is their this is another back-to-back winning season. Um, double-digit victories. They're gonna be in the playoffs. Now, if Mike McCarthy wets the bid again in a wild card game, maybe there's a room of possibility where Jerry Jones fires, he fired Mike McCarthy and he and Sean Payton is their leading candidate for Dallas. I think, is that a possibility? Yes. Could that happen? Yes. The likelihood of that happening, I don't know. I think the Cowboys, I think they're going to win a playoff game this year. I think they have a chance at winning multiple playoff games this year. So if, if McCarthy... If he can win multiple playoff games this year, I think it, it, it secures his job, like, no doubt. It secures his job because that would be an NFC Championship appearance. If he wins one playoff game, mm, okay. And in that divisional round, it depends on who he runs into. If he runs, to, if he runs into the, the Vikings and they just lose, uh, that's, a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Could I see him getting fired after the division loss? Mm, I don't think so. I think for Mike McC- in order for Mike McCarthy to get fired, I think he would probably, he would probably literally have to wet the bid again in the wild card round, which would be up against an NFC South team. So whoever wins the South, so that's the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the Saints. Whoever wins the South, that's who the Cowboys would be playing in wild card weekend. And if Mike McCarthy was to wet the bed against one of those teams, okay, then there's the that opens the door of him possibly getting fired. And then Sean Payton, that I think, once again, similar to the Chargers, talented roster on both. The Cowboys are a little bit more salary cap and a little bit more salary restricted. But Sean Payton, um, he has history in Dallas. So that that's one, that's that's what that's another job to keep your eye on. Minnesota, they won't fire Kevin O'Connell. Dan Campbell in Detroit, he's fine. Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, I think he's fine. Matt Eberflus, I think he will survive another year in Chicago, and they will give him um, more respectable pieces of offense. NFC South, I don't think he goes to none of these teams, but Tampa Bay could. There could be an opening in Tampa Bay. Um, But 
Tom probably isn't staying in Tampa Bay, so I don't think I don't think that's a um I don't think that's necessarily an option. Carolina, they probably will be looking for a coach. I don't think he takes the Carolina job. Um, the Saints, I don't think he takes the Saints job, and then the Falcons, uh, yeah, I don't think he takes that job, and I don't think the Falcons will fire Arthur Smith. Okay, the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan's fine, Pete Curl's fine, Seattle, Sean McVay's fine in LA. Cliff Kingsbury. Now I talked about this a couple weeks. I talked about this last week when I was talking about the Cardinals and the, the, the goddamn dysfunction, dysfunctional year that they had. The Cardinals are another interesting team. Now, I don't think Sean Payton would take this job. I don't think this job is nearly as attractive as it was a year ago. I think this job a year ago was a little bit more attractive. You're like, okay, you got young Kyler, you know, running around, making these plays. You got some offensive pieces. You got some dudes on defense. Okay, you know, division's tough, but okay. Now, I look at, I look at um, Arizona and where they are, and now Kyler Murray, every year of his career, he's been hurt. And and now this injury is the worst because it's a torn ACL. He's going to be out. He's going to miss the, the next season, the following season. And then when he comes back, who knows what his confidence looks like in terms of escapability? Who knows if, you know, if he's going to be the same athletically? A lot of uncertainty there, similar to the Broncos situation. So, honestly, unless the Chargers or the Cowboys just absolutely collapse in the postseason, especially the Cowboys, if Mike McCarthy collapse, if he collapses in the wild card round, I don't know a destination that Sean Payton would take. Because I, I, I don't think Sean Payton... Like, I listed the teams for you guys. Denver, I don't think that's a and, – and then also, if Sean Payton takes a Denver, Denver job, you think he wants to pay – He you think he wants to play Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid twice, and Justin Herbert twice? You think he wants to do that four times a year on top of the gauntlet of the AFC that like that it is? Like, no, you don't want to do that. I don't, I don't think he does that. I don't think he would do that. When his quarterback, when he knows his quarterback is clearly inferior, clearly inferior, I don't think, I do not think Sean Payton would do that. And like I said, for the Cowboy job, it would have to take a like a just a, a absolute just collapse for the, for for Mike McCarthy to get fired. I feel like I think it would have to take a collapse. I think two playoff wins definitely secures his job. Um, a playoff win, okay. Uh, Okay, but if he just collapses in the wild card round, I definitely, I definitely see an opening where Mike, where Sean Payton, like Mike McCarthy's out the door, and Sean Payton could take over. I could see that, but I think Sean Payton probably sits out another year. If I'm a betting man, I think because I don't think Dallas is going to collapse, and even if the Chargers don't win a playoff game. I don't think they'll fire Staley. So if I'm a betting man, I would probably bet that Sean Payton sits out another year and waits for the next cycle next year in terms of coaching openings. That's just my personal opinion. I don't I honestly don't see an attractive enough job where Sean Payton was like, oh, okay. Like I don't think he looks at that Arizona job. And like, yeah, that's a real attractive. Like, nah, I, I'm, Ky- Kyler's a good talent, 
But what makes Kyler special is his escapability and him extending plays. That portion of his game could be limited. And that ain't good. Because that's what made Kyler Murray special. That ain't good if that part of his game is limited and and hold to a hold to a point, hold to a stop. Um, and then like I said, Denver thinks just too much uncertainty. So um yeah, Sean Payton, I think it I think it could be likely. It would not surprise me if he sat out another year. Um, but I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up. I hope you guys had a uh you know fun time listening. I should be back on Saturday to give you guys your Saturday episode, but if um, you know, always remember two choices, one decision. Peace, deuces. I love you guys. Thank you guys for all the support. Um, and yeah, enjoy. Peace, deuces, I'm out.